Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 97 of the John Riley Project. So happy to have here as my guest, David Leland. How Dave, are you? How you doing, Dave? I'm good. All right, welcome back. Love having you here. We get to talk sports. We're going to talk maybe Padres, Aztecs. There's so much going on. Yeah, let's start with Aztec basketball. All right. This well, is as excited as I've been for this team since the Fisher era. This is this start has been incredible. I, yeah, they're unbelievable. I mean, I, they haven't even lost a game yet. Nope, 9-0. Second 9-0 start ever. And the first one was the Kawhi Leonard Sweet 16 year. Right on. So that was, wow, that's like 10 years ago, right? Eight years ago. Eight years ago. The so, 10-11 season. Okay, so it's been a while. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah, there's you can sense there's a lot of enthusiasm amongst the fans, you know, and, 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 the, and like Aztec basketball is back. Yeah, Sunday's game against San Jose State's nearing a sellout. Yeah, I think the fans are fired up. I mean, how about that uh, that tournament in Vegas? That was great. You got a 30-point win over Crane, who then beat Texas Tech in overtime the next day. Mm-hmm. And then we had that big comeback against Iowa. And that Iowa team is good. I mean, they have some shooters. And, yep. and that was a Garza, the yeah, center. Yeah, big guy. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's unstoppable down low, but the Aztecs figured out a way to stop him. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, they bet the Aztec program, um, the win at BYU, too. Oh, yeah. That's tough. You know, second game of the year, already playing at elevation. Yeah. And, you know, that's a team that doesn't like us very much. You know, they were fired up. And what was our record on the road at BYU? It wasn't good. No, it was pretty bad. Yeah. I don't think we'd won there since, like, 2008 at the time of that win. So, I mean, these are big-time wins. Mm -hmm. Um, And then last night... Colorado State. Yep. Yeah. So the, the Mountain West Conference starting a little earlier this year. Yeah, which is weird because they play a couple, a couple games and then it goes back into non-conference and then uh, when the new year starts, the rest of the conference schedule starts. Right. So we got um, San Jose State on Saturday. Or Sunday afternoon. Sunday, Sunday. Sunday afternoon. Okay. And then what's left? I think San Diego Christians on the schedule, right? Yeah, that's the 18th, which. I mean, normally I'd say that game's a waste of time, and I remember the last time we made the Sweet 16, we played them that year, and we beat them like 110 to 45 or something like that. Yeah. Normally I'd say that game's a waste of time, but that's going to be our first game back from 10 days off because of the final exams at SDSU. Mm -hmm. So, you know, first game back after 10 days off, you know, get our feet wet again with a team like that. Right. Wow. I mean... Are they even a D1 team, a D1 program? I don't believe so, no. Yeah, so I wonder if this will even count on their record. Well, it counts on our record. Okay. Might not count on theirs, but it counts on ours. Okay. Right on. So, um, yeah, and then they got a game coming up at Staples Center. Yeah, against Utah. So that'll be another test. Utah did did need need overtime to beat BYU at home, though. Mm -hmm. And we just talked about how we went into Provo and beat BYU, so... Right. It's interesting. Yeah, and I think Utah's had a couple of other big wins. So that's that's going to be a tough game, although at a neutral site. Mm-hmm. And you know, Aztec fans travel up to the Honda Center in Anaheim, the Staples Center in L.A. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think I saw an interview with Fisher, excuse me, a Dutcher, and he was saying that he thinks there's going to be a big Aztec crowd up at Staples Center. Oh, I'm sure it will be. So let's uh, go down the roster. Like, tell me, share with me some of the, your insight on some of the players on the team. Well, Malachi Flynn, the transfer from Washington State, I expect him to be good. I did not think he would be this good. Three straight 20-point games. He was the Mount West Basketball Player of the Week last week. Had a huge tournament in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was just fantastic. 
The shooting's obviously there and great, but I'm surprised with how good of a rebounder he is for a guard anyways, and he gets a lot of assists, too. Yeah, I mean, it's almost double digits. Yeah, and he's scoring in 20 points three straight games. So um, what about the rest of the roster, like the starting lineup? Uh, who else do you like? Fagan, you know, he doesn't put up numbers, and sometimes he's a little frustrating, but he's solid. He's stable mm-hmm. at point guard. Shackles... I mean, he only shot one for six from three last night, but he's knocking down threes. Him and Flynn are the snipers on the outside from three, and that's huge. Yeah, Shackle has been unbelievable. Um, what was that BYU game? He hit like five in the second half. I know, yeah. And that guy was terrific. So, um, And then they got the two big men down low. Yeah, Mensa really took a step up this year. Mm-hmm. And then Yanni Wetzel, huge surprise to me. A very pleasant one at that. Yeah, we weren't sure what we were going to be getting. I mean, obviously the coaches knew him, but yeah. as fans, I don't think we knew what we were yeah, getting. Yeah, if you looked at his Vanderbilt numbers, you think, okay, this guy's solid, but nothing special. No, nah, he's pretty good. Oh, absolutely. Very athletic for a big guy, really good with his feet. I think he had like 20 points against USD, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm really impressed with his his moves down on the post. I mean, the guy, it's like the George Mikan drill. You know, he can really pivot and gets around to the defender. He does a great job. Yeah, who's probably a great tennis player in New Zealand. They <laughs> yeah. always say he's a ten- he played tennis in New Zealand. He's got great feet. He was probably pretty good at that. Actually, that makes a lot of sense. That's the beauty of... Uh, you know, athletes that play multiple sports, they end up being, you know, extraordinarily athletic. They can do things that a lot of other people can't do because they're training their body in different ways. Well, that's why Gonzo down at Poway High wants multi-sport athletes. He's very big about that. And that's why. That makes the total sense. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's not just the starting five. This team's deep. Yeah. Matt Mitchell's fantastic as a sixth man. He had 18 points last night. You know, he always had the skills, dropped 20 pounds. He's even more athletic now, and he's a beast. He Just tremendous. I mean, that guy's down low, getting the offensive rebounds last mm-hmm. night. Um, yeah, so who else do you like in that second squad? Seiko really surprised me this year. He stepped it up this year. Yeah, he's been great. Um, I don't know. Like, last year he didn't play much, you know? And every time he was in, I was like, uh, Seiko, really? But he's been great this year. Yeah, he's a lockdown defender. He'll hit that three-point when Yeah, he's need been him. hitting the threes last couple games. Had a couple huge ones to help us pull away last night. Mm-hmm. So um, what about um, a rope? What's your take on him? I mean, sometimes he'll get a couple rebounds or a layup. I mean, he's nothing special, but he's not going to kill you if he's out there. Right. He just um, just an athletic specimen. I mean, that guy can just jump. Um, he's explosive around the rim. Uh, but he hurt his shoulder, I think, right? Yeah. So I think we're waiting on the diagnosis of exactly. Hope he's all right. But the good thing about this year's team is if a guy that plays goes out, we're not like, oh, no, how are we going to replace him? This team's deep. Oh, absolutely. Um, and then who else is in the second squad? Uh, Pulliam, right? Yeah. He's, you know, he's not great, but he'll give you some solid minutes. Right. I mean, the guy's got great handles, man. That guy can dribble. He can. He's a great point guard, I think. Mm-hmm. And then who else we got? Um the other Mensa. Yeah, he's been decent this year when he's been in there. He hasn't played as much as the other reserves, but he's done a decent job when he's been in there. I think he's taken a big step forward. Um, And then who else is left? Is it just Keyshawn Johnson? Yeah. Okay, so maybe we'll see a little bit of him if a rope is on the uh, injured list. You know what's crazy about this team and this 9-0 start? We haven't even seen Nolan Lorraine at all this year because he's been hurt. What's, What's his story? Uh, nobody really knows when he's going to come back. Hopefully it's soon, though, especially if a rope has to miss some time. Well, what's the injury? Do you know? I could be wrong. I think it was a shoulder injury. Okay. 
I mean, I remember I saw a stat um, on one of the games, and they were talking about all the big men on the Aztecs. Right. They have four guys that are 6'10". Yeah, and Mensa and Wetzel are holding it down pretty well down there. Yeah, I mean, it's just incredible. So you really could almost go 12 deep with this roster. Yeah. If you add in the rain. I know you say that if they always say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But, I mean, Fagan, he's not great, but he's solid. I, I would almost start Mitchell over him because Flynn kind of plays like a point guard. So I consider starting Mitchell, even though he does bring great scoring off the bench and there's the whole, if it ain't broke, don't fix it thing. But I'd still consider starting Mitchell right. over Fagan. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough call. I, I, I was saying, can Mitchell play his way into the lineup? Um I mean, Dutcher has just got a wealth of options, right? I mean, he's just got a, a lot to work with. I mean, well, the lineup we're seeing now, we'll probably see it as long as we keep winning. But at the same time, Dutcher is very much like Fisher in, in a lot of ways because, you know, he coached with Fisher for forever. He was his, mm-hmm. you know, his right-hand man for forever. So he does a lot of things like Fisher. And we always remember that in the non-conference season, I know we started conference play last night, but it's only two games and you got more non-conference mm-hmm. and then the rest of the conference schedule. But early in the season in non-conference, Fisher would always still be trying to figure out his rotation for conference play. So perhaps Dutcher's like that too. Yeah, I remember what Fisher, yeah, you're right. He would play with the different matchups and different combinations. And then once he figured it out, he locked in. Mm -hmm. And then that starting lineup rarely ever changed. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how this plays out. So what's the schedule looking like in December? So we got San Jose State Sunday afternoon. Mm -hmm. Then we got 10 days off because, you know, it's San Diego State. Finals period, right? Eighteenth, we come back against San Diego Christian. Normally, I don't like playing games like that because it's like not even a D one opponent, like complete waste of time. But mm-hmm. you know, that'll be a nice game to get the feet wet again after ten days off, right? And then, um, then they go up to L A. Yeah, Staples Center, um, neutral site game against Utah on the twenty first. Right on. And then I think their last game is against Cal Poly. I think. I think they're going to play Cal Poly San Luis Obispo in between Christmas and New Year's. That's correct, on the 28th. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that's a that's a solid, I mean, they, it's interesting, they played five games in 10 days, now they're going to play five games in a month, you know, but... It's, <laughs> that's just the way it goes in college sports. Exactly. Um, and then um, once we turn the turn the calendar over to 2020, I mean, it's going to be, here we go. It's going to, you think they can maybe make a run and, and duplicate that 2010-2011 season and go undefeated pretty deep into the conference play? Yeah, I think I heard last night on the stadium live stream of the game, they said we started 20-0 mm-hmm. in the 10-11 year. Mm-hmm. I don't think that'll happen just because I believe game 15 is at Utah State, and then the game after that is at New Mexico. So even if you get the big win at Utah State, you're prone to a letdown, and then the pit's not an easy place to play. So I don't see like a 20-0, but I could see, you know, finishing 25-3, and 24-4 at the end of conference play before the conference tournament. That makes sense. Utah State is a tough place. I remember they say it's like a small arena with a with a low ceiling, and it feels very different. Yeah, and they, they pack it in and make it a loud environment. So they're the ones that started the I Believe chant, right? I'm not sure about that one. Because I think, I, I wasn't sure if it was Utah State or Navy. It was like one of them. And I know we have eventually picked it up here in San Diego. Yeah, with great success. Yeah. That was when we started our run. Yeah, that's terrific. I, I love that. Um, I was at the game um, against Tennessee State. Um, and it looked like the student section was, was a lot bigger than I remember seeing it. Yeah, I was 
I was in there at student section for that game, and I was shocked with how many. I'm like, all right, it's this is against Tennessee State right before Thanksgiving. We got a lot of people here. I was a little shocked by that. So, you know, it seems like the student section, the show, is starting to really pick up some steam. Seems like just the energy for Aztec basketball is back. Like, even on Twitter, I'm seeing, like, now there's some guys on Padre Twitter who are always Aztec fans, but I see guys, so like, I didn't know they were Aztec fans tweeting. I'm like, Aztec basketball is starting to win San Diego over again. Yeah, I mean... Uh, we used to say it's like the, one of the best tickets in town, you know? I mean, it's just getting out there to Viejas. It's just so much energy. It's a lot of fun. Sunday afternoon against San Jose State's almost sold out, so I think the energy's back. Right on. Um, love hearing this. So this is great. So what else you got going here for the Aztec uh, sports program? So I just want to say about, before we go on to the next topic about this basketball team, is that we had we could have easily been had a letdown game after the wins in Vegas and how fired up Colorado State was to beat us, but we didn't. And impressive because Colorado State's a tough place to play. We did not fall into the trap, and it was close for a while, but we pulled away. Largest ever victory in Fort Collins. Yeah, it was it was um, you know like a four or five point spread there for a while, back and forth, even into the second half, mm-hmm. and then it seemed like we really pulled away at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that is a tough place to play. I know the Aztecs have gone there and had a lot of last-second shots to win. Um, but um, yeah, and it's there, how many games are in the Mountain West that are at major elevation? That's one of them. Yeah, most of them. Most places in the Mountain West are at elevation, except for the California schools. Right. So that's a, those are tough places to play. Um, but this team, with so much depth, I think that really plays well at the elevation. Absolutely. I mean, Provo's at elevation, and two games into the season, we won at Provo. Right on. So, yeah, I, I'm really fired up for the Aztec basketball program right now, feeling really good about it. Me too. Do you think any of these guys might be draftable? I don't think anybody's going to like leave early and go, but I think you know Flynn has a chance to be drafted in two years when he goes out and I mean people don't look at him now but I think Jordan Shackling can be like a 3 and D kind of guy in the NBA mm-hmm. you know he plays pretty good defense for a guard he's can knock down the threes yeah I mean you know it's amazing is both as good as Flynn and Shackle are we still got another year for them they're, I know they're both juniors I think we got another year of Mitchell too right yeah I think so so um yeah the, the future is bright right now I think Wetzel's the only one that we're losing after this year. Well, Fagan, I think we're going to lose. Yes, him. Yeah, because those guys were both um, graduate transfers, yes. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and is there anyone else we're going to we're going to lose? Maybe not. I don't think so. And the thing about Pulliam is he's making the jump from community college to D one. So the more into the season he goes, the more comfortable he'll be. He'll be able to replace Fagan pretty seamlessly next year, if you ask me. I, yeah, I think so. I think that makes a lot of sense. So what else you got here, Dave? That's all I got on Aztec basketball. Padres made a couple moves. I mean, yeah. You had the trade with Milwaukee. You got an outfielder, Trent Grisham, and righty Zach Davies in exchange for Urias and Lauer. And this trade, very polarizing reactions to it on Padres Twitter. Oh, yeah. Some people loved it. Some people hated it. It was very interesting to see the reaction after the trade. What's your take on it? I think it's a win for us. And here's why I think this. Trent Grisham is what the Padres need in an outfielder. He's a left-handed hitter. He draws walks. He's got some pops. He plays pretty good defense despite the error in the wild card game. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> he, overall, he plays pretty good defense, right. though. So mm-hmm. I like what Grisham brings. 
You know, Zach Davies, all the computer guys don't like him because they say, well, his breath for all say he's going to suck. I mean, in his five seasons there, in four of them, he had a sub-4 ERA, and Miller Park is very hitter-friendly. Mm-hmm. And, and in that division, the NL Central, you got road games at Wrigley Field in Chicago and Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati, which are very hitter-friendly. Right. So that's a tough division to pitch in, and mm-hmm. he had a sub-4 ERA in four out of five years, so... What do you think he'll be able to do at Petco? I think he'll be solid. But he he doesn't throw with a lot of gas. I mean, he's kind of a a, a finesse pitcher, right? Yes. Yeah, he's going to hit the corners, that kind of thing. Keep the ball down. Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah, I you know, I think it seemed like, you know, roughly speaking, Davies and Lauer, sort of a wash. Davies a little bit better, maybe. Um, But it was really a question of who you think was going to have greater upside, Grisham or Urias? Well... I'm not high on Urias. And I mean, I know you have to give prospects a lot of time, but just watching Urias every day, I never saw the hype for him. Mm-hmm. Especially once he started selling out for more power once he got to AAA in 2018. Well, they said his swing got long, and and he that's why you couldn't catch up to the fastball. Yeah, and I agree with that evaluation. Did you see what uh, Dennis Lynn said on the Darren Smith show? I think it was last week. No, what did he say? Or it might have been the other day. I didn't actually listen to the show. I just saw the tweet. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, Lynn told Darren that the Padres viewed Urias as a three to four war kind of player. But then once his swing got long at AAA and he kind of was stubborn about adjusting to it, he kind of refused to adjust to it, which is part of why he stayed down there so long. Right. That and they had questions about his maturity. I mean, you saw the blow up he had in the dugout in San Francisco in April when Tatis had to calm him down. Right. Anyways, when he refused to adapt and shorten his swing back up, supposedly the Padres front office lowered their upside for him to a one or two war player. That's what Dennis Lynn said. Okay. Well, and, and really, the, the Padres have got some great middle infielders coming, like in the next couple of years. That was another thing that was mentioned. Yeah. I think Casabell mentioned it, and at Rumors and Rants, Ryan Phillips, I don't know if you follow him, but he's got, he knows people in the Padres front office, and he tweeted that guys like Xavier Edwards played a role in their willingness to part with Arias. Right. So who's going to play second base? Well, Jerks and Profar. I mean, unless we go sign somebody else, but for now it's going to be Profar. And this one, I mean, we gave up Austin Allen. Austin Allen did not look like a major league catcher to me defensively, and his offense didn't translate from AAA. Mm-hmm. So I don't care that he's gone. With Profar, there's no downside to it. I mean, his numbers, if you just looked at him last year, it's pretty bad. But if you look at, you know, his his BABIP, his batting average on balls in play, it was very low at 218. His expected stats were all the same, as was his strikeout percentage, which was almost exactly the same, and his walk percentage, which mm-hmm. I believe was actually higher than 2018 in Texas when he had a 792 OPS. You know, that's pretty good for a second baseman. Yeah, it is. By the way, who was in Texas that year? Jace Tingler. So mm-hmm. maybe Tingler can get the best out of him, get him back to that near 800 OPS form. You know, it's, it's interesting to see how A.J. Preller works because he's bringing in um, a lot of his Texas guys. He's bringing in a lot of the Machado guys from from Baltimore yeah. onto the coaching staff. So maybe he's trying to figure out how to push the right buttons with these players. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so so then really, who, who, so Profar, but he... he he was great against, I think it was left-handed pitching. That's correct. So do you think maybe he's a platoon guy, or is he a, a full-time second baseman? Based off what I'm seeing, it sounds like they want to give him a chance to be the full-time guy, but Garcia had the 370 OPS, I mean, not OPS, on base percentage, sorry, against yeah. 
right-hand pitchers last year. So Profar is not hitting righties early in the year. Then, you know, Garcia can take some starts from him there. Right. And then that leaves Ian Kinsler. <laughs> Sounds like he's not going to be on the team. I mean, I think Lenny and Caswell both said they'd be surprised if he's on the team next year. Right. Okay. Um, and then, so where do you think Grisham's going to play? Is he, is he a corner outfielder or a center fielder? I really don't know yet. And I think that depends on whether outfielders we get, if any. Mm-hmm. Well, the the outfield still is a cluster, right? I mean, we're yeah. not sure how that's going to sort out. Yeah, which brings me into my next point is that, I mean, AC's wrong, and you know, AC, you know, is AC, and he's had a history of being unreliable before. And he said they're not in on Strasburg and Cole, which of course Twitter blew up after that. <laughs> Everyone says, "Oh, they're not serious about winning. Why aren't we yeah. going after these yeah. guys?" It's like. Guys, we aren't the Yankees, and we got other holes to fill. And with pitchers, I mean, you got some good pitchers already. You got Paddock, Richards, and Lamette. Granted, Richards and Lamette have injury concerns, especially Richards. But you got Gore and Patino coming. Right. Between those two and Paddock, there's a pretty good chance you have an ace in the next year or two between one of those three, or maybe even Lamette. I don't know if you saw a national writer a couple weeks ago saying Lamette could be the Padres' ace and was totally propping him up. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw how good he was after he kind of got his feet back under him. Right. After the first couple stars, his command wasn't there. But we need an ace in 2020, not like one in 2021 or later. Well, here's my thinking about that. Is like That brings me to the next point is that Sure, you need an ace in 2020 if you're going for a World Series in 2020. I don't think we're there yet. You got to start. I know people want to be a World Series contender this year, but you got to work your way up. I mean, you saw what happened in 2015 when you tried to go from nothing to that in one year. Right. And it sent us into this rebuild that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. You got to work your way up. I mean, we won 70 games last year. Yeah, I know. If the players didn't quit on Andy Green, if Tatis <laughs> was healthy, we would have won closer to 500. Mm-hmm. I understand that, but... 70 to a World Series contender, that's a lot to ask for in one year. You know, let's try and build our way up, build an identity this year, you know, get to around 500, hopefully a little over 500. And then 2021, you know, Gore will have innings in the major leagues, Patino will have innings in the major leagues. And then Mm -hmm. 2021, pretty good chance that one of those two, Paddock or maybe even Lamette, becomes an ace. And Mm -hmm. then 2021 should be when you want to win a World Series. And then... You will have one of those four guys will probably become an ace by then. So it looks like that they're going to have like about eight to nine starting pitchers that are going to be going into into spring training. Yeah, because um, you got you know uh, Quantrill and Morahone and uh, a bunch of other guys. Right. The thing about the Padres is that maybe they're trying to win a World Series the Royals way. Like the Royals didn't have an ace in 2015, but you know what Kansas City did have? They had an elite bullpen and. That brings us into another guy we signed, Drew Pomerantz. Oh, yeah, he's back. Mm-hmm. And people look at his numbers and you're like, oh, my God, why we signed this guy for two really good months as a reliever? Because he has a history of being good as a reliever. I mean, he was incredibly dominant. He had like a one eight something ERA, you know, 15 strikeouts per nine. Struck out almost half the batters he faces as a reliever. Mm-hmm. And he has a two seven two career ERA as a reliever. So you throw him in that bullpen. Hopefully Jose Castillo's healthy. And then you got Munoz, Yates. Don't forget about Mikel Baez if they keep him in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. So the bullpen could be tough. Um, the, the great story about Pomeranz, I remember reading, is that at, when he was a starter, he tried to be a four-pitch, five-pitch guy. But really his fastball and his, and his knuckle curve are his two big pitches. Yeah, because I was watching the MLB Network right after we signed him. They were showing like... 
as a starter, you know, he's throwing his four-seamer at, you know, 91, and he's trying to incorporate a two-seamer and a change-up, and he's just getting hit because he's throwing pitches that, you know, aren't his best, or he's trying to hold back on his fastball. Mm-hmm. And then they put him in the bullpen. He focuses on two pitches. He's rearing back. You know, he's mid-90s. Yeah. And he's got that nasty curse. So he's really good as a reliever. If you get him, Castillo... Munoz and Yates at the end of games, and you know, Strom, he's going to be in the bullpen from day one. Right. You know, Baez might still be in the bullpen. You know, you got a lot of options. There's a lot of options. That's exciting. And then Larry Rothschild is the new pitching coach. I'm actually not too thrilled about Rothschild because I got a friend who's a Yankees fan who absolutely hated him. And the problem with Rothschild is that he's obsessed with getting guys to throw sliders and what happened that happened with Sonny Gray and mm-hmm. he was terrible in New York he gets shipped off to Cincinnati and he's an all-star again so <laughs> right although Rothschild does have a history CC Sabathia absolutely loved Rothschild mm-hmm. you know he had success with Luis Severino mm-hmm. and he had success with Domingo Herman so I'm a little worried about Rothschild just because of what happened with Sonny Gray but I'm willing to give him a chance and he has been in the game in a while he's Smart guy when it comes to baseball, so maybe he learned from the Sunny Gray disaster. Maybe it was the Yankees that were trying to get their pitchers to throw that way. I'm gonna give him an open mind, but I am a little concerned about that. But you, if I recall, you were um, you were for seeing a, a turnover. They maybe it was time to turn the page on Balsley, right? I was. I was completely open to moving on from Balsley, but I wanted to bring in you know a new age analytical guy, right? I was. Not in favor of replacing Balsley with another old guy. I wanted, you know, a, some young, smart, analytical guy to come in. So Rothschild's definitely old school, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe he works out here. There's a chance, there's definitely a good chance he works out here, but it is a little bit of a concern. Hopefully, not too much, though. Okay. Um, hey, got to get your take on the brown uniforms. Oh, I love them. I thought they came out great. I agree completely. I got to get my uh, road alternate to Tease jersey. Yeah. That's, as soon as possible. <laughs> as soon as possible. Exactly. Um, are they, they're they probably selling them down at the Padre store, right? Yeah, but they only have the authentics right now for over 300 bucks. The replicas aren't coming in until February, I heard. Okay. So we could still get them before opening day. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. you could even still get them, you know, now for a good price if you go to dhgate.com. Ah. Well, I didn't know as many people knew about it as they did until they realized that the replicas weren't coming in until February. And then turns out a bunch of people on Twitter found out about the site, which I found out through my friend. Is this the one that they're made in China and then they're shipped back to America? Yes. Okay, so I don't know about the licensing is legit, but... Uh, I've ordered a few jerseys from there. They're pretty good quality. Uh-huh. And they're really cheap. And they're pretty good quality, too. They just take a little while to get here, right? They take a while to get here, but they're pretty good quality for really cheap. Right on. So what was that? DH Gate? DHgate.com, yes. All right. Well, I've got to check that one out. All right. So, um, yeah, so much going on. And Preller's not done, right? What no. is what, what is his homework assignment? So my thing is, for all the people that were complaining that we're not spending money on Strasburg and Colts, like, we got to get some bats. We still got to get two outfielders. So, hey, Corey Dickerson's out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, Profar would probably be better as a utility guy. Hey, Howie Kendrick's still sitting out there. <laughs> Howie Kendrick's a little long in the tooth, right? I mean, he's been around the block. But, but he had a great postseason. Oh yeah, he was God. the MVP of the NLCS, had yeah. the game-winning homer in Game 7. Yeah, that was unbelievable. So um, so more, you want two more outfielders, really? I One mean, or two more outfielders, yeah. Is, is Franchi Cordero going to be back? 
we can never count on that guy staying healthy. I mean, he's got incredible talent, you know, the power and the speed, mm-hmm. and he seemed to change his approach to walk more because he was drawing walks during the limited time he played before he got hurt last year. Mm-hmm. So if he could just ever stay healthy, he would be such an asset, but you can't count on him. Do you think um, Preller is going to be able to trade Will Myers? I mean, he's going to try, 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 and I really, really, really hope he succeeds, but I think the only way it's possible if you do, like, something with Boston, like I talked about in a previous podcast Mm -hmm. on here, where, you know, maybe him and a prospect or two for David Price. I mean, that's pretty much the only way I think he's going to be able to do it. Yeah, you got to have to swap a bad contract for another. Yeah, you're not just going to be able to dump the contract, unfortunately. Right. Wow. Um, So what else is going on with the Padres? I mean, I talked about how I want Corey Dickerson. Another guy, Mm -hmm. I mean, since it sounds like the Cubs are going to make some trades, you know, they kind of have to retool. They got some bad contracts and, you know, Bryant, Baez, Rizzo coming up on free agency. What about trading for Kyle Schwarber? I mean, I know he's got some defensive deficiencies, but, hey, I mean, we had guys who hit lefties last year. We need guys who can hit righties, and Schwarber had an OPS of 900 against right-handed pitchers last year. Really? And the thing about Schwarber that's interesting to me, too, is he's a guy, he won't hit for that high of an average. He hit 250 last year, and he'll strike out, but he had a 340 on base. He draws walks, and based on Grisham and Profar acquisition, seems like Preller's looking for guys who draw walks. Just got to get on base, right? Can't it, score if you don't get on base. And it's like Billy Bean said Moneyball. Do I care if it's a hit or a walk? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Schwarber gets on base at a, you know, basically a 340 clip. I think it was actually 339, but I'll be nice and give him up to 340. Sure. And his OPS against right-hand pitchers is 900. Corey Dickerson had like a 940 OPS against righties, so... Let's get those two guys in here. You know, trade for Schwarber, sign Corey Dickerson. Let's bring those guys in here, and all of a sudden you're looking at, you know, you could have Schwarber and Dickerson on the corners. You can have Renfro playing against playing for one of them against tough lefties. You can have a Grisham and Margot platoon in center because Margot actually had a pretty good uh, numbers against left-handed pitching last mm-hmm. year. He just couldn't hit righties at all. But then there's still Will Myers. I mean, he's going to be somewhere. If they don't trade him, they're going to stick with him, right? You can't just release him. Yeah, they're going to have to keep him. I mean, Hosmer had a terrible um, OP- OPS against lefties last year. So maybe, maybe you know, Minnesota non-tendered C.J. Crone. Crone raked against lefties last year. So maybe you can get C.J. Crone in here on a cheap deal and platoon him with Hosmer. That's what I would do anyways. Not yeah. sure if they would, but I would. And then, you know, if you are stuck with Myers, you know, you can platoon him for Schwarber or um, Dickerson against, assuming we get those guys, right. like I want to. Mm-hmm. We probably won't, but I'm just saying, if I had it my way. Right. And then, you know, Renfro platoons for the other one against... Because with the 26-man roster, you're going to have enough room to have another guy where you can just platoon them. See, I think back in the day, it used to be you would platoon guys that were not quite, you know, star players, right? They were kind of journeymen, and they would platoon lefty-righty. But then it got to a point where... It seemed like most major league teams had eight guys, and they would play 90% of the games. But now, like the way the Dodgers do it, that that team is very flexible, and they move guys around. They play infield. They play outfield, like Chris Taylor and Bellinger. So I wonder if they're trying to do that same kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, you've, you, they're, they're the team we're trying to beat, so we got to be like them any way we can. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I know I talked about Tingler being a player development guy. Mm-hmm. When we hired him, I mean, maybe we're trying to – develop guys faster like the Dodgers do just pull up anybody who hits basically 
So um, what else you got, man? On the, I mean, you you came here with notes, man. I like this. So the thing about the Padres, yeah. bottom line for me is I don't really care if we get guys who struggle against left-handed pitching because we got, got plenty of guys who can hit left-handed pitching. We had a top 10 offense against left-handed pitching, I believe. Mm-hmm. So just get some guys who, who are righties and, you know, platoon them. Like, because, you know, you got Tatis and Machado. Those are your superstars. So then if you can just get play matchups and get the best out of guys that that you possibly can at every other position. That would work. Yeah, it would. Especially with the bullpen that you got, the rotation you have now, and the guys that are going to come up. Like, people are very underestimating this pitching staff, too, in my opinion. Like, everyone's acting like we need pitching so bad. I mean, we were 17th in the ERA last year. You're not going to have Margavich's starts. You're going to have Strom in the bullpen. Right. You got a full year of Lamette Richards. You got Paddock without restrictions. You got a much healthier and better bullpen now. And hopefully, Tingler manages it better than Andy Green does, though. It would, hard to be, it would be hard to be worse at managing a bullpen. <laughs> yeah. I think you're right. I mean, there's a lot of talent. There's a so lot I think of guys there's a very good the, chance that we could, you know, have a top 10 ERA pitching-wise, certainly above average, probably top 10, I think. Well, there's a lot of guys with a lot of upside. Absolutely. That's why I'm, I'm, ex- I'm really excited about the bullpen, and I am actually kind of excited about the rotation, too. Right I, mean, I know you got the injury concerns, but, you know, Paddock, Richards, Lamette, that's a pretty good one, two, three. If they all stay healthy, I mean, big if. But if they all stay healthy, that's a pretty good one, two, three. If you ask me, and they still got guys they can plug in. You know, you like, know, Quantrill look good for a lot yeah, of the year. Yeah. You know, Davies, I think will do well here. Right. Obviously, Gore and Patino are coming. Right. So they got a lot to work with. So this is, I mean, this is going to be exciting. But I think, yeah, Preller's not done. No. And then the, we got the winter meetings here in San Diego starting on Sunday night. So we so hopefully next week's going to be pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, then they'll probably you know shut it down a little bit. Maybe in January, might because they were making some for some of those free agents signed late, and in fact, didn't a couple of them sign it like in June? <laughs> was it um, Keiko and Kimbrel? Because teams yeah. didn't want to give up the draft pick, so they just wait until after the draft. But other guys signed. When did we sign Machado? When did that go down? Mid February. Mid-February. But I think the market's moving much quicker this year. I mean, you already got Zach Wheeler signed with Philadelphia the other day. Mm-hmm. You know, Grindall already signed with the White Sox. You know, I think the market's moving much, much quicker this year. Okay, good. I think I think it's going to be a great year. I'm really looking forward to it. I am much more optimistic than a lot of people seem to be about the Padres right now. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to see in 2020, you know, if all the things we hope for come true. Because if it does, I think we could be a lot better than a lot of people think. Right. I agree. I think this is going to be an exciting year. I mean, I don't think we'll end the playoff drought quite yet, but I do expect, you know, 500 or better, you know, best team we've had in a long time. Mm-hmm. I do expect that next year. Right on. So what else? I got Aztec football regular season wrapped up. Oh. I had a 9-3 and three prediction before the year when we did that preview. Yeah. And they were 9-3. and three. The They only, were. The only disappointing thing to me is that that was an undefeated uh, regular season, non-conference regular season, and then they went five and three, which wasn't good enough for the Mount West Championship game. So that's a little yeah. bit of a bummer. The, the, just the offense was so frustrating, you know. Um, but and that game against Nevada, that was a winnable game. Yeah, I mean Jeff Horn's got to go. I mean, there's the people who want Rocky Long fired after every loss. They're like, oh, this is as far as he can take us. I mean, do you realize how bad we were before Brady Hoke and then him? 
Oh, yeah, it was just pathetic. Do you want that again? Rocky Long has taken this team already really far. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been ranked at times. You know, we beat Pac-12 teams. Right. And they're like, oh, well, he can't get us to a New Year's Six Bowl. I mean, he got us from hoping we can make a bowl game to winning conference championships. Mm-hmm. And you know how hard it is to make a New Year's Six Bowl? Oh, it's tough. As, it's, yeah. That's really hard. So if you're going to fire a guy for not getting there, that's a really high standard. I mean, I, I'm all for having high standards, but... To fire a coach who wins, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11 games almost every year just because he can't do the almost impossible, that's a little crazy to me. I agree. you got to keep Rocky long. But Jeff Horton, the offensive coordinator, absolutely has to go. We wasted an outstanding defense. We had four of our defensive starters on the all-male West first team. Mm-hmm. But we went 9-3 and because our offense was terrible. And it's not like they even have bad players on offense. It's just that... The play calling is so predictable. It's the same three plays. Run up the middle, run off the tackle, or a play action to the tight end. That's the whole playbook. It's predictable. <laughs> it's easy for, right. for a defense to stop that. I've heard some rumors about, you know, what if we could get Mike Martz to be the offensive coordinator? Because he wasn't he the head coach of the San Diego Fleet? He was. <laughs> but you really think a guy who was offensive coordinator and head coach for the greatest show on turf, however many years ago that was, then was an offensive coordinator for a while after that in the NFL. You really think at his age, after all that, he's going to come back as a Mallow West offensive coordinator? I kind of doubt that. Yeah, it's a I fun kinda. fantasy, though. It is. It is a fun fantasy. But if the Aztecs just get a more imaginative offensive coordinator, yeah. they could be a really good team because Rocky Long, he establishes a great culture. These guys never quit. They always battle. They always find ways to win. Mm-hmm. Unlike that other team that used to play here, we'll get to them <laughs> a little bit. But, right. you know, they, they have a great culture. They find ways to win. Rocky Long always has a great game plan on defense, always has a strong defense. Mm-hmm. So if they can just get a more imaginative offensive coordinator, I think they can be really good because I thought Carson Baker looked good against BYU. I really liked his the game. The Helix kid. I yeah. liked him. Yeah. I thought he looked good against... I think there's hope for him. Absolutely. Um, and how They about- didn't let him throw downfield in the first half. And then he throws that seed to Bellinger for the touchdown right before halftime. They're like, okay, let's let him rip. And then he had a couple big completions to Matthews. Mm-hmm. You know, and I thought he looked pretty good, actually. So of the um, the running backs, I think Washington is graduating, right? Yes. And then what about Jasmine and Bell? I'm not super high on Jasmine. I think we're going to have him back, though. I think. 100% sure Bell and Jordan Bird will be back. Right. I mean, those guys, they've shown flashes where they make good runs, and, you know, they just can't get it consistently because, you know, the O-line didn't play that well and the play calling was predictable. Right. So if we get improve our O-line and recruit some better O-linemen and get a new offensive coordinator, I really think Bell and Bird can be good. So they're, they're going to play in a bowl game. We just don't know which one yet, right? Yeah. This could have changed based off the college football playoffs committee's new rankings that came out Tuesday. But I believe after the BYU game, our projection by ESPN was the Cheez-It Bowl at Chase Field against Kansas State. Okay. In Phoenix. The Cheez-It Bowl. <laughs> That's better than the uh, the Idaho Potato Bowl, I think, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, I mean, because the Cheez-It Bowl is against the Big 12, you know, a Power 5 yeah. team. Yeah, exactly. And K-State, you know. They beat Oklahoma. Yeah, they did. You're right. And I know it's, it's interesting. Is like It's funny how in some states... One school is the big basketball school. The other is the big football school. Yeah. And that's how it breaks down in Kansas, right? Yes. Yeah, so K-State's the good football team. Yeah, and then, you know, the Jayhawks are the great basketball team there. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
Well, yeah. So I guess we'll find out. We got to find out here pretty quick. I mean, it's today is December fifth. Sunday, I believe, is when all the bowl games are finalized. Okay, so that's like in four or five days. So, all right. I think three days actually. Oh yeah, wait. Today's Thursday. Yeah, yeah. three days. Three days. <laughs> yeah, we'll okay. find out. Some bowl games yeah. have already decided who's going where. Okay. So I think. Definitely by Sunday, maybe even in the next day or two, we'll find out. But definitely Terrific. by Sunday, we'll find out what bowl we're going to. Right on. So if the game is in uh, Phoenix, are you going to do a road trip out there? Uh, we'll be up visiting my dad's family in the Bay Area for Christmas. So mm-hmm. we will not. We wanted to, but we're going to be up in Northern California. Okay. So well, we're not going to be able to, unfortunately. We were going to maybe do Vegas if they were and end up in that one, which will require winning the Mountain West. Right. All right. Well, I guess we'll find out here in a few days. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, what else? We talk, we're going to talk about that other team? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just so every single time they do the same thing. I mean, they got – they're the same exact team they were here, except for their L.A.'s prom now, and it's great. I mean, they got people hyped about them. You know, they beat the Bears in Chicago. They had that surprise butt-kicking of the Green Bay Packers at the soccer pitch. Everyone's like, oh, maybe this is the Chargers we thought all year we were getting. What, four days later, they lose the Thursday night game at Oakland where – and this is exactly what Philip Rivers always did when the Chargers were here in San Diego and we were fans of them and it pissed us off. They had they were only down two, all three of their timeouts, so they only needed a field goal to win with over a minute all three of their timeouts. Is he taking, you know, the 10, 15 yards to get him down the field? No, he's trying to be the hero just like he always was back in San Diego. Yeah. Goes 0 for 7. Mm-hmm. I say 0 for 7 because he was bailed out by a holding call on the first fourth down. Right. Goes 0 for 7 and throws a pick on the desperation fourth down. It's like, how are you not taking those chunks of yardage to get down the field? He tries to be the hero every time and that's why he doesn't, that's why he chokes, why he doesn't lead those game-winning drives. Ah. And then he did the same thing against Kansas City on the Monday night game in Mexico, their next game. Mm-hmm. So they just... And then at four and seven, they were almost done. Then, so they did the same thing they always did. They, you know, won a couple games, got people. They started off slow, won a couple games, got people hyped about them. Like, all right, this is the team that we think we're getting. Mm-hmm. We thought we were getting before the season, and then they blow it after that. And then Sunday was lost at Denver. That pretty much was the icing on the cake for them because now, unless Pittsburgh loses out, they're mathematically out. Right. And Pittsburgh is playing the three eight and one Arizona Cardinals. On Sunday, so let's just safe to assume that the Chargers season's over. Because even if because even if Pittsburgh loses out, I mean they still got to play Minnesota. They still got to go back to Kansas City. I mean, anyways, the icing on the cake was Sunday. Because after the Kansas City loss, I'm like, <laughs> okay, I don't have to be such a hater anymore. Their yeah. season's probably over, anyways. So I was at a bar like I usually am on Sundays, mm-hmm. and then the L.A. Rams Arizona game and the Oakland Kansas City games were blowouts. Right. So I'm like, okay, fine. I'll pay attention to them because I was just kind of glancing over at them because, uh-huh. you know, it's what, four and seven and three and eight team. Yeah. And I was just kind of glancing at that score from time to time. And I'm like, they were playing Denver, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, okay, fine. You know, there's 10 minutes left or whatever it was. It's a tie game. The other games are blowouts. I guess I can hope they lose this and 100% seal their fate, even though they had like a less than 1% chance to make the playoffs even before <laughs> that. Uh, Locke, the Denver QB, throws the interception to Perryman. I'm like, okay, they'll probably get out of here with a win. You know, whatever. They're still not going to go anywhere. And then they go three and out. They threw the pick in Denver territory, so they're in field goal range. Long field goal range. The guy hits the upright, Badgley. Their kicker, and I'm like, okay, they're going to charge. At this point, I'm thinking, okay, they could still charge her this. Right. You know, Denver gets like a first down or two. They kick a field goal. 
And then Anthony Lynn decided to go for it on the 4th and 11, their own territory, which I didn't get because they had two timeouts and the two-minute warning over two minutes. Right. You know, they convert. I'm like, they make the field goal, and I'm like, all right, it's going to go into overtime. And then Denver throws that, and then the first pass interference call with less than 10 seconds left called the entire season. Of course, who does it go against to cost them the game? Right. Who else? Yeah. It's like these guys, it's like, it's like when it gets to the point where I'm like, okay, I don't have to be such an obsessive hater. You know, it's over anyways. And then they give me fresh new material. <laughs> it was, it, 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 they're truly cursed. It was hilarious. And it is hilarious. The it, Spanos curse is a real thing, I tell it, you. I think it and is. And it's great. It is. Um, I was watching the end of that game and, and I, I, I was just blown away. Just the, the it was comedy the way the whole thing rolled out. Um, but it was it was smart for Denver. I mean, on that with the ten seconds left, just take a shot downfield and see if you get lucky. See if the DB you know runs into the receiver, and that's what happened. You know, and you can. Co- and this isn't even a Charger hating thing. This is just a fact about football in general. The way I feel, I feel so many coaches are. Way too conservative. You know, how many coaches are going to take a knee there and go to overtime, even though there's nine seconds, two timeouts? Mm-hmm. I mean, most would. Yeah. And, you know, good for Denver. I mean, they were aggressive. Yeah. And yeah. They got rewarded for it. And I'd say that no matter who they were playing. Heck, right. if it was the other way around, the Chargers did that. I'd credit the Chargers for that. And, you know, I obviously hate them. So <laughs> I just like to credit teams for that. And the and the Denver quarterback, if I recall, was like their third string guy. It was his first start. Yeah, and- their second round pick out of Missouri, who'd been on injured reserve all year since the preseason. So, you know, good for him. He had a moment. So, I mean, he didn't play that great. But, I mean, he gave he threw it downfield and got the P.I. call. So, yeah, I guess he got, he, the, he got the W. That's yeah. all that matters, right? Yeah. Amazing. The Chargers. So um, it's interesting because it sounds more and more likely Rivers yeah. isn't coming back. So how many of the leftover fans from San Diego are going to be left next year when Rivers is gone? But is there anyone left on that team that played in San Diego? Actually, there's 16 players left either on the active roster or injured reserve. Mm-hmm. But that's less than a quarter of the team. Right. And, you know, they got so many guys that are going to be free agents in the next year or two. And we know how the Spanos family is with, you know, paying to keep their guys. And <laughs> right. Who's going to, even if they did pay up to keep these guys normally, who's going to want to stay? That's 16 away games. They've been playing in a soccer stadium the last three years. They have right. they have no home games, no fans. Who's going to want to stay? Yeah, they won't. Yeah. So th- this is, well, when are they going to move into the new stadium? Next season. Okay. That I'm very interested to see what happens when the Chargers play because that's that, I'm assuming that stadium will hold, hold what maybe eighty thousand people. Yeah, I mean, will they be able to like fill it halfway up? I mean, what's going to really gonna happen is you'll probably get fifty or sixty thousand people, and about forty thousand will be rooting for the other team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, amazing. So um, yeah, with, yeah. Once Rivers is gone, I mean, because there's still some people in San Diego that still cling to the Chargers. They just can't give it up. Um, but my thing is, most of those people are clinging on because of guys like Rivers and Gates. I mean, Gates is already gone, and right. now Rivers will be gone next year. It'll be interesting to see, because there's two groups of people. One, that are still Charger fans, but they say they're only Charger fans as long as Rivers is there. Yeah. And people who hate the team, but still love Rivers. I wonder if... Let's say Rivers goes to a different team instead of retiring after the year. Wonder mm-hmm. if those people will follow Rivers to his new team. Good question. And yeah, they might. I'm interested to see about that. Actually, I think people are surmising that maybe he'll go play at Tennessee, so he'll be kind of near, you know, his uh, his roots. The thing about Tennessee that's interesting to me though is 
I don't know. I don't think Tennessee would want him. I mean, they're five and one since the switch to Ryan Tannehill, mm-hmm. and you hear Anthony Lynn say that those pocket passes are outdated. And you know, Tannehill, he's not exactly Lamar Jackson, but yeah. he can move a little. He's an athlete. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you can almost argue that Tannehill's a better fit for Tennessee than Rivers is. So you're saying the two groups of people, the people that still follow the Chargers because of Rivers. Yes. Then there are the people that, that hate the Chargers. Yeah. You know, they're bitter about the move. I think we're both on that squad. Yeah. But there's a third group, and it's Nick Canepa. Because <laughs> Nick Canepa still can't get over the fact that San Diego doesn't have a football team anymore. Maybe he should move to somewhere that does have a football team. Yeah. Cause, I mean, I'm still not over it, but I can talk about other things. Canepa doesn't even talk about other things. We signed Manny Machado, and he's talking about it. Yeah. It's like, you think, I mean, I'm pissed they're gone, too, and I probably won't ever truly get over it, but you think I was thinking about them when we signed Manny Machado? No. <laughs> if Canada can't put that aside to think about, you know, the whole brand new baseball season or this great Aztec bas- has he said a word about Aztec basketball? They're 90 no. I, I don't has think he so. said a word about no. them? No, he, he's still it's like he got, you know, his girlfriend broke up with him and he hasn't gotten over it. No, you know? it's like he won't even, it's basically well, I haven't gotten over it either, but I'm at the point where like Canapa's the guy who won't even go out for a drink with his buddies because he's not over it. I'm not like I'm not over it, but I'm not like Canapa. I mean, it's like where? Why isn't Canapa saying anything about Aztec basketball? Yeah, yeah, you're right. He why should doesn't be. he say anything? Of, I mean, I understand Aztec football didn't have that great of a year, but he says the only thing he said about them was he complained that they were boring when they yeah. were seven and one. <laughs> so he's the guy who, like I said, you like you said he's the he's bitter that. His girlfriend left him, and he won't even do anything else. Yeah, I know. Like, like I'm bitter about it. I probably always will be, but I'm, I enjoy. I can enjoy this Aztec basketball team. I can enjoy the Padres if they're good, or I can definitely enjoy them when they still have a chance in spring training. Right. I can enjoy when they sign Manny Machado. In his article about them signing Manny Machado, he's like, no, that doesn't bring the Chargers back. It's like, dude, enjoy the moment with Machado. See, you, you've been able to move on, and I think Nick still hasn't gotten there yet. Well, I've moved on enough to actually think about other teams. I can't. If I told you I was completely over it, I'd be absolutely lying to you, <laughs> as I've talked about before on here. But right, amazing. So, um, so much going on in San Diego sports. I mean, this is just the Aztecs, the Padres, you know, NFL. What, what do you think the playoffs are going to sort out for here in the NFL? What well, do I do know one thing is that Rashad Penny, he's picking it up. Our Aztec for life with the Seahawks, he's picking it up. I mean, maybe the clean sweep, maybe the Seahawks go on a Super Bowl run, he gets Super Bowl MVP and we complete the clean sweep. Oh, wouldn't that be sweet? Have you seen his last couple games? He's really picking it up. I mean, he had a great game. Uh, what was it, a Thursday night game, I think? Well, he had the Sunday game in Philadelphia, the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Yeah. He had 129 yards and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And then the Monday night game against um, Minnesota the other night, he had 75 rushing yards and a touchdown, 33 yeah. receiving yards, including a 13-yard touchdown and a screen pass. Right on. So he is absolutely killing it these last couple games. He's pretty much put himself as the 1B behind Chris Carson, the 1A. He helps Seattle. Maybe they'll go on a Super Bowl run. How great would that be to see Rashad get a ring with Seattle? But I never thought of that. If, If Penny was the Super Bowl MVP... That would be perfect because you would have all three major sports. Have an Aztec as the championship MVP. That would be amazing. 
Wow. There's been talk about that. And, you know, people were kind of joking when the, after Strasburg won MVP about that because yeah. at the time, you know, San Francisco was undefeated. The S- Seattle was two games behind them until Seattle beat them on the Monday night. And then San Francisco dropped the game to Baltimore. So now they're tied. And Seattle's the tiebreaker as of right now. Mm-hmm. But now, and Penny wasn't playing a very big role then, but now Penny's role's increasing. You know, if they get to the Super Bowl and maybe he breaks a long run and they keep him in the game and he contributes a couple other ways. Maybe. You never know. Amazing. Good for him, man. I yeah, know. It's great to c- see it. Because he was a first-round draft choice and he wasn't really performing. I know he was kind of banged up a little bit, right? Yeah, and then there, you got people in Seattle that are saying, why do we spend a first-round pick on this guy? And I told these people on Twitter, hey, be patient. When he gets his chance, he's going to do it. And look. And there Look at these last couple games. So the, I, the, are the Seattle fans, are they like now in love with him? They're, they're big... I don't know if they're quite in love with him yet, and I still don't think they love that they spent a first-round pick on him, but he's certainly contributing, and they're certainly starting to warm up to him. Good. Have the Seahawks used him like as a, as a kick returner, punt returner? They have a little bit, but... They haven't lately, and normally I'd be like confused and discouraged by that because he was a fantastic kick returner here at San Diego State. Mm-hmm. But the fact that maybe they're not using on kick returns is like, hey, we want a bigger role for him on offense, right? Because yeah, maybe he could get injured, you know, catching oh, yeah. one, one of those punts. I and- mean, does it really matter anymore? I mean, with all with all the rule changes and them putting the touchback up to the 25, moving the kickoffs up, there's not that many kick returns anyways anymore. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, by design. To protect the safety of, of the players. Yeah, that's why they do it. I mean, it takes mm-hmm. away one of the most exciting plays in the game, but it's a safety thing. And so the kickoff return has become just such an almost irrelevant part of the game now. Yeah, you're I right. I mean, how many kickoff return for touchdowns do you see? Almost never, and it's and now you'll you're seeing kickers purposely only kicking it right to the goal line, you know. So they're 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 figuring out a way to try to get them to run so they can hold them, you know, behind the twenty five yard line. Yeah. So, so who do you who do you like in, um, in the NFL? Do you, do you have a Super Bowl prediction right now. I got San Francisco and Baltimore as my Super Bowl prediction. I think that game on Sunday was a Super Bowl preview. They'll have another one of them when the lights go out. <laughs> oh, yeah. The last time those two teams played, the lights went out. Yeah. That was back when Kaepernick was the quarterback. Yes, it was. And Flacco for Baltimore. Joe Flacco. Is Flacco still playing? He was at Denver for a while, wasn't he? Uh, he got traded to Denver at the start of the year. He got hurt, though. And he's they put him on IR. Okay. He was pretty ineffective when he played, though. I think Denver was like 1-6 or when he got benched. But he He's up there, right? I mean, how old is he? Oh, he's got to be up there. He's been in the league 12 years now. Yeah, so he's. I think he was a little older than most prospects coming out of Delaware too. Right, so he's got to be at least thirty-five. Yeah, Yeah, he's probably in his mid-thirties. I I bet you he's pretty much done. All right, so um, maybe this. Have any takes on the NBA? What do you think? What are you seeing over there? I haven't paid much attention to the NBA yet, and I usually don't until Christmas. Yeah, and not like really, really pay attention until after the Super Bowl, but. Both LA teams look pretty good. They do. I'd be pretty shocked if the Western Conference champion didn't come out of Los Angeles. Yeah, I think it's exciting. Um, and you know, here I was, you know, raised a Golden State Warriors fan, so it's hard for me to root for LA. But I got to root for the Clippers because of Kawhi. I mean, he hasn't had you know a Kawhi like season yet, uh-huh. and he's had you know load management and injury problems. Right. So, I mean, he hasn't really played like Kawhi. Yet. I mean, he hasn't been bad by any stretch of the imagination, but he hasn't been Kawhi Leonard right yet. 
So I mean, I'm sure he will be as the season goes on, but he just isn't Kawhi Leonard right now. But the Clippers are still winning. So what's your take on this? So obviously, some people say you shouldn't root for the Chargers because they left San Diego. But does that rule apply to the Clippers? Okay, you you just this it really ticks me off, and I'm glad you brought this up. I cannot stand the hypocritical San Diegans who are like FLA beat LA, f the Dodgers during baseball season, and then with the Chargers like f them if they go to LA. I don't root for smell A teams, you yeah. know. They say all that, then yet some ex Charger fans are Ram fans. It's like they're in LA too. You guys know yeah. that, right? Yeah. And those same people are you know Laker, Clipper fans, or LA King fans. It's like. Did you not realize what you just said? Why you wouldn't be a Charger fan anymore, and what you say about the Dodgers? It's like, right. did that? Did you just completely forget that? <laughs> yeah, some people uh, they're not consistent. It's like you denounced the Chargers for going to LA. I mean, I denounced the Chargers for anywhere they were going to go. Right. If it wasn't San Diego, but LA just made it ten times worse. Oh, it was brutal. And then you know we get, have the thing with the Dodgers, and you know we had the San Diego Chargers, L.A. Raiders rivalry at one point. Well, I think you can almost, as a San Diegan, I can say since Donald Sterling is no longer involved with the Clippers, now it's Steve Ballmer's team. Mm-hmm. We can say, okay, Sterling was the one that screwed over San Diego. He's out. So now maybe I can root for the Clippers. But with the Chargers, it's still Spanos. That's correct. I mean, I probably will never be a Charger fan again unless they come back to San Diego. But I can let the hate go if Spanos is no longer the honor. Right, exactly. Like I don't have any hate for the Clippers. I mean, Donald Sterling screwed over San Diego. He's out of the picture now because he turns out he's a huge racist. Oh, jeez. Sterling. You know, Steve Ballmer, he seems like a cool guy, so we can be cool with them. <laughs> Ballmer, Ballmer I, he just gets so fired up, you know? I know, I love owners that are doing it. He's kind of like Mark Cuban in a way. I mean, yeah. maybe not as controversial as Mark Cuban, but he's into the game. Yeah, he is. I love seeing him on the sidelines. And the press conference when they announced uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, he was up at the podium. He was just really fired up. It's so. like, why can't we have a guy like that? If we had a guy like that owning the San Diego Chargers, they'd still be the San Diego Chargers. They'd still be our team. They would be. I mean, uh, so I respect the hell out of Ballmer for that. He's <laughs> he's into it. I love it. He is. I really respect that about him. That's great. Well, th- Dave, thanks for coming, man. I thanks mean, for th- having me. I had know, a great time. We, we've covered a lot of stuff. And like I said, you are always welcome here um, because I love talking sports. And you come with so much information, um, great takes on all of this. I love having you here on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. All right. So uh, wishing you and your family a great holiday season. Same to yours. All right. All right. 